You're listening to the Mindful PharmD podcast with me, Dr. Mattman Harrell. Some of you have been tuning in since I began this journey, and others of you are new listeners. But wherever you fall on that spectrum, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time listening to my podcast. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe, rate, and share. I hope you enjoy today's topic and that you'll consider sharing this episode with a friend or maybe even 10. Your support helps my audience grow and connects others to the important topics I discuss on this podcast. Stay mindful. Welcome back to another episode of the Mindful PharmD podcast. In this episode, I continue my conversation with Aaron Griffin. And if you hadn't had a chance to listen to part one of this conversation, pause the recording right here, go back and check out part one, and then come back and listen to part two. Because in part two, we discuss artistic originality, the impact of AI on art, the impact of art on mental health, and so much more. In part two, Aaron also wraps up how he dealt with the unresolved issues surrounding the passing of his father. In part one, I briefly mentioned the fact that artistic expression in various forms invites the observer into the mind of the creator. Whatever art form you're involved in, mindfully consider how your craft impacts the observer and how your art may be helping you in ways you've never thought possible. That's the, meaning the one at the top. There's no one above that one. That's why we say Alpha, Omega, we hand them out titles like that. The father of time, uh, the, the father of eternity, things like that. We know that we're not that, but we are that because of the material that he made us. And then the energy and the spirit that flows through our bodies and our veins and through our minds, that it all goes back to that collective conscience. And he is that collective conscience. So from that perspective of me being able to create, I feel like I'm God. I can create my own world. I can create my own vision of something. I can, again, like I told you in the beginning, when an artist paints something and they find their originality, they can have the person who's watching think what they want them to think. So if I, if I created this painting and I walked up to you, you didn't know I was the artist? And I ask you what your position is on that, man, you can probably tell me all this other stuff, but, and then I say, okay, so tell me, how do you feel about it? Kind of go to what you said before about feelings. I guarantee you, they're going to say spot on what I said or what I put in that painting. Cause they say a picture is a thousand words, right? It's, it's going to be exactly what I thought. I put a thousand words on that, on that, on that canvas. And now you in here spouting off one of the thousand words that I put on there because that's what I wanted you to do. So understanding that, that you have that power and that, that, uh, that I, I wouldn't say manipulation necessarily because manipulation goes more so into you, you know, you setting certain things up. But in this case here, it is a form of manipulation. It may be in the slightest but it's still manipulating that person's feelings to get them to feel something. So you're getting them to do something that they normally wouldn't feel if they were just walking down the street experiencing their lives. But they're just looking at this one particular moment from which you put together based off of what you saw 
in reality. You you mentioned earlier about brush strokes and how mm-hmm. with that with that artistic eye or that ability to to look at a painting and knows whose it is just based on the that originality of the brush stroke. Do you feel or has it been your experience that the brush stroke uh, changes at all? Like if I'm if if Van Gogh was going to paint one piece on a Monday and depending upon what he's feeling in that moment, his brush stroke might do something different than if he did the same mm-hmm. painting on Friday uh, and he's feeling, you know, jovial or 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 uh, feeling um excessively happy uh, excessive is not the right word i want it there but if he's feeling happy on friday does that brush stroke change over time or at all i'm gonna be honest with you if you are true to your craft and you're true to yourself and you know that this that's your stroke then no it doesn't that's what makes it to where an artist is able to put together um a catalog of completed work of series and let's say even if there was just individual one-off pieces that they create it always is going to have that type of brush stroke and let me get a little bit more specific when i mean brush stroke because most people may take it like as in a a physical or i would say a carnal and i say i'm talking about like a, a material ideal yeah i'm talking about like the energy within that brush stroke so if you look at Van Gogh, if you look at Van Gogh's pieces, as we, we were talking about Van Gogh, you look across all his pieces, even to the starry night and the colors that he used, you can still tell it's Van Gogh because of how he used his brushstrokes. Mm. So it, what went into that? The energy is what signifies. And although we may not say, well, some people don't, nowadays they call it a vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's be, a we got to be hip. We got to be pop culture yeah, yeah. vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the vibe. That's what's yeah. going on. That's what's hip. That's what's in. Those things there is what you get off those pieces. And even down to, because um, I, I studied a lot of art. I studied, I studied classical. I studied the Renaissance. I studied before, during, after the Renaissance. I uh, studied the Gothic age of uh, dark, the dark arts. I've I studied all those things, those different titles that art falls up under. And what you see is that the narrative changes and they try to revamp. And a lot of it was like just, oh, 2D art, you know? And then they go into this whole thing where now you got portraits that looks 3D. They got backgrounds and you can look further and further back into the background and see art in there. It's just, it's just that detailed. And they want you to catch those things. Like um, one of the abstract artists that I was interested in was uh, Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali, that man, if you look at his work, it looks like some nightmare on Elm Street stuff, man. It looks like some, some. And I mean by, and I don't, I don't mean like that. I mean like the the dreamscape of it. Right, right. It's just, it's just unrealistic. You know what I'm saying? You're like, ugh, this is just not possible. Mm-hmm. He got a clock melting over, over a hill. And, you know, just different things like that. But if you look at his work, it was so detailed. So it makes you wonder, like, what it, in the minds of that man? What was he thinking when he created these pieces? And you go and you go. I think he did one live film where he uh, where he directed one live film, and it was a weird film. It was super weird. But you know, in art school, we cover everything. Mm. So you watch that film, and you're like. Okay, I see why he is the way he is, yeah, you know, yeah. type deal, you know. 
Yeah, well, and this, uh, so, this, 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 and 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 this is this is something that I wanted to get into. Uh, just as we yeah. this conversation has been unfolding, getting into the mind of an artist because, uh, just recently actually, um, we were on our way to church, and again, my Levi, the dude is 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 wise beyond his uh beyond his age, he um. Mm-hmm. We were reading the reading the Bible and we were going through, I believe it was Matthew chapter nine. Um, and I won't unpack the story here because that's not the point, but I want to get to what he said. He said, um, we were talking about it, and I was asking them questions about it as we do. We normally go line by line, and I just kind of ask them questions to ascertain their understanding. And uh he goes, Daddy. I go, Yeah, yeah, but he goes, I uh I, th- I feel like I just read the mind of the Bible and my wife and her brilliance in that moment, she used the word. Cause I'm, I'm still tripping on the fact that the dude said he read the Bible's mind. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure that out. And so, but she goes, yeah. so you got a revelation, right? And mm-hmm. uh, when, when we talk about artists and 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 i i don't want to deter you too much from what you were just saying just now because i think it's connected with with regard to where i believe you were going mm-hmm. when we talk about artists and the the creative process and and getting into that and you've been there right i mean i've been there too because even we were talking about drawing art painting arts those types of things but there's a great deal of attention that goes even into creating an episode for a podcast Right. And, and I, had to, mm-hmm. I actually had to explain this to my wife right before we started. I was like, you know, because she was using the space here. And I said, you know, babe, do you mind if I if I kind of have the space? Because a part of me wants to focus on what's coming up next. There's a there's a creative process. There's a vibe, if you will, that I mm-hmm. want I want this platform to be helpful to somebody. And so I have to mindfully consider Right. I have to set it up. I have to I have to mm-hmm. stage it somewhat. And and I know you used the word when you were talking about painting girl, you used the word manipulation. I think maybe maybe a better term is 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 staging, perhaps not every aspect of what we'll talk about, but staging in a way to where the person, the listener can then be invited into this conversation and relate somehow to something that we're saying. And so from your creative experience how can you, how do we even begin to verbalize what that process is like on a psychological, you know, internal level? Am I, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, how, do we, how do we get to that point to where we get a person to say, I have a revelation. I've read the mind of this, this creator. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no way for you to do that, and the, and the reason why I set that limitation there, and I'm I, I'm in the part of I'm in this part of my life to where I don't really set limitations for myself because I say whatever I put myself to I can do, but in that particular situation of you ever knowing someone 100% or even what they were thinking at that exact moment is not true. Um, and I find this to be true because of the, the books I've been reading lately. Um, one of them is The Art of War uh, by Sun Tzu. He says a lot of stuff within that, that um, those 13 chapters. 
And what you understand is, is that he's not necessarily talking about you physically going into war and wounding anybody per se. He doesn't tell you how to do that. He's telling you how to perceive things. That's why I talking about perspective, right? Uh, but then it also, from an understanding of what you were talking about with your son Levi, and even with my son Aaron, Aaron Jr., I've learned a lot about these artists. Artists don't come in one form. They make, in, in your form or in your lifetime, artists look this way. Then when the, their generation comes up, their art form is going to look, in, their art form is going to generate in a total different um, aspect. Like right now, um, the art form that's out there is the AI art. You know, people put in word form and then it gener the computer generates what that person is thinking or a general idea of where they want to go when they create things. Well, my thing is, is that a lot of artists, like original artists who come up with concepts like myself, um, they get up, they got upset with it. You know what I did? I said, I adapt it. I realized that a lot of people are not creative. There's no original form nowadays. So maybe this AI is going to allow this individual to put their brushstroke on what they're doing. And it's an assistance, not necessarily a, a crutch, but an assistance to get them to where they're able to perform or even turn out artwork on a on a on a steady basis to where they can actually live off their art versus them having to go and squeeze themselves into a box and no longer be creative. And and, and that's the thing. What people don't understand is that art is what makes the world go round. If the person didn't draw a car, you wouldn't be driving. If a person didn't uh, uh, draw the the laptop or the computer or the um the chip the computer chip that you that if they didn't design these things, you wouldn't have them the glasses, the clothes, the fashion, everything is drawn first before it is now pulled from that one or two D world into this three dimensional world that we are in currently now. So understanding that that concept is there, it needs to be there. And if we have no one doing concepts and that's talking about, I'm talking about the originality of certain things, then there's a bunch of copy and paste. So that's what you see people re, re, reusing prior generations uh, as a form of, I would say, aspiration, because they don't necessarily copy it 100%, but they do take a lot from it. Like, they don't even know, you know, you look around, if you're not really into fashion, you see a lot of the stuff repeat. If you go back every 10 years, you'll go see it, and you can relate to it, and you can say, hey, that, that was during that time. And you'll hear our parents say, hey, we was doing that when we were little girls. You know what I'm saying? And our parents up in their 50s. So, Nothing is new in this case here when it comes down to art. We just recycling a lot of what we know. But the originalities and pops comes in when you have younger generations taking things and taking it a step further, or they they destroy everything that is was created and then they come out with something completely on its own. Would you and say, that's what people say, always get mad about? Would you say that bad art is is synonymous with uh the lack of creativity? Or even if, if yes. is there even a such thing as bad art? There is, and I'm not gonna dis. I'm not gonna disable. I'm not gonna. It, come on, you're telling me someone like myself who had to put in, and I'm saying myself because again, I told you I can only speak from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But someone like myself put in all this work. I practice. I, I mean, 100%. I'm looking for my original art form. I come up with my original art form. I do this. I do that. I go through 
the classes. I, I build up the vernacular that I need to build up as far as the, uh, the work, all that stuff. And then someone comes along with some macaroni art that was, they took the macaroni and they glued it to the paper. <laughs> and then they said, hey, um, this is the on the same level as this person here who has his own original work out here. Come on. But is that, is, is that bad art or is that just that they're that, they're creating art that, on a different no, level? No, 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 man. That is, is that is bad art. It is bad art because of the individuals that allow those allow that to get passed as original forms of art. That's mm. what I'm saying. Mm. That's nothing original about that individual. If that's the case, then we can go back to grade school. How about I go in there and start putting macaroni on art, macaroni <laughs> and, on paper, and mm. then you need to say, hey. It's it's good. It's on the same level as Picasso. Yeah. No one would ever say that. So that's what I'm saying. So when we arguing, or is there some type of conversation about uh, art forms? Because not arguing, arguing goes into negativity. We're gonna say conversation because there's a dialogue here. Sure. Understanding that you are in a level, and when you're not in, on your own level one, and you all you do is perform on level one. Please don't compare yourself to level four. Mm. It's just you're a novice. Just, just admit it, own it, and move forward. You know what I'm saying? And then say, hey, what is this person doing different than I am? And then move forward from there. But I did want to dig into something that you said earlier, too. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, I did um, look at some work from this Dr. Um, Jawanza um, Kanjufu uh, from 1988. I was listening to some of his stuff on how he developed a um, uh, came up with this developing a positive self-image for in black children in general, but he really focused on the black boys. And he realized that from his studies with different universities and the peer groups that he was within that he did that the study groups with, that a lot of it did narrate back to the black boys being the ones that were being attacked. And the reason why those black boys is being attacked is because of of what society projects as the masculinity and you know the image and kind of like what you went back to where we talk about modeling who we modeled out of after if you constantly put the superhero as this uh caucasian male european male on the screen with a superman on his chest constantly and that's not the no pun to you in this case here because technically superman really superman's origin lies in africa a uh, superman story goes back into the black man himself because we regenerate from the sun if you look at the the average Caucasian nowadays, they, they got to put on sunscreen, all that. Superman never put on no sunscreen. Whenever time Superman got hurt, what did they do? They put him in the sun. In the movies that we watched with Keanu Reeves, when they had when they threw Superman into the to the sun, he came out of there stronger than he was before. Uh, then, then also, they was ahead of themselves, and they didn't even know it, or maybe they did know it, but we didn't understand it as children. They artificially created lex luther artificially created a superman and you see what happened to the artificial versus the natural man the artificial man had to bow to the natural man because the natural man ended up destroying the artificial man that's what we're going through now today so we have these programs artificially creating people or putting people into these to these situations or in these boxes like i was telling you before because and i say boxes is because the way our energy flow through our body. We are batteries, man. We we give off so much energy, we don't even realize. We recharge the earth and the earth recharge us. And this is not something that's just, this is not pseudoscience. This is proven facts that this is the truth. 
that's the reason why when you go back to the Bible, we talk about Adam being taken from the earth and clay, things like that. All that stuff comes into play with God. And you can't say here and say, well, that's not necessarily true because it is true. Everything has an energy signature. Go look at it. Scientists knows it. It's nothing that's hidden. If you got a wretch, if you go into um, doing types of um, changing the camera, you can see the infrared. You give off a certain heat energy. It's energy. Yeah. Well, I so I, it, I remember years ago coming across some uh, literature and articles about uh, scientists delving into this this um, energy phenomenon. It's not really a phenomenon because energy has always been here, but um mm -hmm. but this this they call it that kind of like columbus uh create uh discovered america right, we ain't right. Going <laughs> right 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 <laughs> how you gonna discover something that was already right here, right but, exactly, you know, exactly. it would have to be lost <laughs> but this 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 um uh situation that occurs where depending upon the spectrum and i don't know I'm, i've been too far removed from it but depending upon the spectrum of whatever measuring instrument they're using they have actually been able to outline phantom or outline the limbs of people or you know say soldiers who's who've lost limbs in war uh mm -hmm. but the energy signature if you will of that you so you know say the arm the energy signature of that arm is still there in mm -hmm. in the shape that it's that it you know that it was in even though in the physical mm -hmm. on our brain Plane, it ain't there no yeah you can't see it it's yeah it's, it's called a phantom yeah it's yeah. called the phantom but uh, the energy is still there isn't that something yeah you know no nah, man that's they use that and believe it or not they use that in robotics man um when that person put on a prosthetic the prosthetic is not being moved that they, they the robotics people want to say oh no it's it's because when it feels the muscle it knows the move you know they're not telling the full truth the energy that that person is projecting with that art of, uh, with the artificial arm, it's coming from their real arm that was there. Their energy never gets detached from them. That arm is always going to be there. That's why they always have that phantom reaction. They say, well, I can feel that. And they're like, oh, that's just a phantom. No, it's not phantom. Phantom saying that it's not there. That's all it is. It's not, no, you can't see it, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you you you've had that appendage your whole entire life. Now all of a sudden it's gone. You're gonna feel like it's still there, regardless of what somebody else tells you. And then when you touch something, oh yeah, I felt that. You didn't feel that. It's coming through the. It's coming through the. Yes, I did feel it. Yeah, there's you there's can't a, tell me what I a felt. Different plane, if you will, like a different energy field. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a different uh, energy field. Yeah, cool. most definitely, most definitely. Mm. So where? But what I? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I wanted to continue on Dr. Uh, Kajusu jo and yeah, what he was yeah. saying about, uh, jo I'm sorry, jo John, John Kuhn. No, no, I got it right. Yeah. Jawanza Kajusu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this this uh, brother here, he, he's very intelligent. He did a lot of research. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about Levi and his peer group. His peer group is what gave him the idea it was okay to say that. But again, also, he was like, well, we out here saying the bad words. So in order for me to be accepted, and this is all natural human being, right. this is what we do. Yeah. So as parents, we got to know, like you said, hey, these are the, the things that we said. But in his mind, he's like, well, I'm around my peer groups. Mm -hmm. So if you go and look at the study that Dr. Kunjufu put together, you will realize that the peer group is number two. Parents is not number two. Mm. 
Yeah, Perry's not number two. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, Church that, is that well, that well, then that <laughs> makes sense because you know, kids if they're not homeschooled, kids spend what eight hours a day around their peers, yeah, and less mm-hmm. than that with their you know with their parents, and then the other parents, seven yeah. they're they're sleeping, you know, and so yep. uh, I'm not I'm not surprised by that, um, you know that, that that that's the case, and that's why I keep going. That's why we keep going back to you know this this we keep going back to this modeling thing. Um, yeah. and that's what, that's what they see. And so that's what they're going to model. But anyway, go ahead. Can, you can continue. No, no, no. It was just something that he did back in the 1970s and eighties. Mm. And we in, the, we in 2020, 23. Yeah. He already had projected that this was going to be the case. Yeah. Well, so look see, what we're looking at now. Yeah. And see that, and that's what, that's what, you know, you, you know, I studied, um, I did some studying in marriage and family therapy, and I plan to continue that coursework here. Um, probably at the end of this year, beginning of next year. But um, mm-hmm. one of the that's one of the things we look for. I, I, I sort of alluded to it earlier. Um, when we are assessing an individual's perspective or trying to understand the symptoms behind, you know, why they might have depression or symptoms behind why they might be struggling with anxiety. One of the things mm-hmm. that goes into our our toolkit in terms of analyzing that that perspective is how differentiated is this individual from the people that are around them and you know you've probably Mm. heard terms about enmeshment families that are enmeshed versus families that are rigid uh versus families Mm -hmm. that are balanced and have you know have a have a have a a, a, sort of a teeter-tottering uh in those two domains there's one other Mm -hmm. that i'm forgetting as well but with the enmeshed family you know, we're so close. This is not a very, the enmeshed family is not a healthy dynamic. People think it is, but it's not because when we're so close, so intertwined with one another, your problems become my problems. Your mood becomes my mood. And so if Aaron is upset, then Mattman's going to be upset in a, in a rigid dynamic, I'm sorry, in a enmeshed family dynamic, you know, enmeshed. And so what that does is then it creates this this infighting, if you will, because we are not differentiated enough to know that you're, you're upset right now, then that means I need to be the level-headed one. I need to be the one to help get us to a place of, of normalcy because, you know, anger is, is, um, is not a, it's a, it's a, it's an emotion, but it's not a very effective one, especially when it comes to communication, right? Um, so that's the enmeshment. But then you also have the rigid family dynamic. And what I'm saying can be applied to, to all different types of levels of, of interactions with other people. We can, this applies at work, this applies at home, this applies at school. So the, the rigid, the rigid family system or the rigid dynamic is one where everybody is so differentiated that we're not even close enough to really help each other out. So in a rigid system, let's use anger for, an, uh, for, for example, another one. In a rigid system, if Aaron is angry, then Mattman could care less about Aaron's anger because we're so, we're so far apart, we're so rigid. And if that's the case, then Aaron, Aaron's concerns never truly get heard. And so what happens to Aaron? He remains mad. Because the reason that anger is there is because there's something bothering him. There's something um, 
that he's hurt by or something that he's thinking about, something that is uh, 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 that is preventing him from moving, you know, past this emotion. And so in a rigid system, if there's no if there is no connection of any of any kind, then that individual suffers in their own emotion. And the same can be said about somebody else in a rigid system. If they're sad all the time, depressed, you know, um, then they're going to remain so because they don't have a way they don't have a, a, an effective community, if you will, to be able to walk out of that emotion. OK, and so in the in the in the school system. Uh, just to bring it, I guess, full circle in the school system, thinking about my Levi, you know, in that in that environment, in that moment, he's enmeshed. Like you said, Dr. Dr. Joanza, they're enmeshed They're they're This is the model that they have in the moment. And so what is the natural thing to do when they come home is to try the same thing that he just tried at school, <laughs> because this, this yeah. is what's been modeled all day. This has now become yeah. for the for the previous you know, past eight hours, this has now become their norm for the lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, and then they think that they can then bring that spirit, if you will, that same yeah. energy, that same idea, yeah. that same mindset, that same communication style into the home. And so as a parent, yeah, in the moment, I'll get upset with him. But then being who I am, I quickly came down from off that anger i gave him his discipline because there i want him to know that there is a consequence for your actions because again mm. i care see in a rigid system i would just be like you know whatever don't let it happen again kind of thing and i would just move on with my life i wouldn't think anything about it but saying don't let it happen again to a kid is like saying you know don't don't i don't know <laughs> don't wake up this morning right it's going to happen right yeah you you understand what i'm saying right yeah, he, I get what he's going to do yeah. it. He's gonna do it again. again. If I just say to him, he's test, "Don't do it again." Yeah, he's testing his boundaries. He's got to test yeah. his boundaries. I, I call it testing boundaries and see. He's like, "Well, what's the he?" Because he wants to see what's the depth, what's the width, what's the height, what's my limit, and how many times can I get away with it before I get disciplined type deal. Uh, but like you said initially, when you set it up to where okay, there's the writing. Uh, I don't think children understand that there's different levels of discipline. And, and I can start out with just a lecture, but then it ends up with me actually getting that rod, like the Bible tells me, you know, spoil the child. You know, rod, use spoil that rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like there's different levels of discipline. And normally if we as parents, we're we're told to initially start with the belt first. Hmm. Um, a lot of times that is, that is not concisive. It's not good for the children automatically think that the first thing they're going to do is get a working. It's not a good thing. Yeah, no. Um, having a healthy level of fear, though, is good, too, because it, it does draw that respect. And like you were saying, it brings that narrative of, oh, well, my concern is of me being disciplined, but also um, my parents not being happy with me. Mm -hmm. So then they have to acknowledge, the child has to acknowledge the parents' um, feelings on the anything that they do wrong. So they can't say 100%, oh, my mom doesn't or my dad, in this case, they don't care about me, including mine. You know, they'll try it. They'll say, well, my 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 uh, my my dad doesn't care how I feel because he won't let me do this. No, I, it's because I won't let you get away with it is why you think I don't care. It is not because I don't care about you. I care about you. That's the reason why I said something to you in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they get that construed with, oh, well, you're coming down hard on me, but everybody else does it. And like, like I tell mine, hey, I'm not everybody else's parent. And if I was, I'm pretty sure uh, if they were level-headed like myself or 
they are trying to look out for your best interest, or in this case, their child's best interest, they will set boundaries and limits and, and disciplines and things of that nature to where that child knows that, hey, when you go out here in society, you are living on a different type of, um, what, what I want to say in this case here, I would say you're living on the rules of that society. Regardless of what you say, you have to live on rules. As much as you children hate rules, there's rules everywhere. And we allow you guys to go into these micro um, situations to where it's you guys you guys have safeguards. Um, you know, if you did that out in the real world, I could start a fight. Uh, you, you know, then that fight leads you to going to jail. And you know, it just it it it's a snowball effect when you when you go out when you take the, the kitty gloves off, as they say. Yeah. So they got the kitty gloves on into this small little control experimented you know, society, what they call elementary school or, you know, middle school and high school. And it's going to lead them off into exactly where, what society is. It's going to introduce them to a bunch of different things that you don't want them introduced to. But it's funny you say that because I introduced this book to my family, you know, I'm, I'm still reading over it, but I'm about halfway through it. But it was about this other doctor, Dr. Spencer Johnson, this book titled "Who Moved My Cheese." Oh, I've heard of and that. Yep, I've read it. Man, that that book is is interesting yeah. because I think giving that book to individuals at different aspects of their life, I think, is very important. I want number one. I I I would employ young people to read that book because they're gonna they, if they read the book, it's gonna be taken into a certain you know from a certain perspective. Then if uh. And adolescence, you know, that's anywhere between, you know, 12, 13 to about 16, 17. I would push it even to 18, 19, even to that point. And then some people even to 21 because of their mindset. Uh, read that book. It'll take them into something else. And then a young 20-year-old to the young 30-year-old, that's another person. And then, of course, you know, so forth and so forth. So if you read over this, if you read this book, this book gives you a different perspective on four different personalities. Now, the first two on the mice, you got these guys, they they jiving together. They are on point. You got the one, he got the speed, and then the other one got the nose. So he's all on his ability. You know, they all only, and they understand, and then they working in, in, in you know, in, 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 in interchangeably. You know, they, they got the one over here, he's sniffing down the maze. He can smell the cheese. And then the other one looks to him, he shakes his head, and the one with the speed takes off. And then the one that with the nose, he tries to keep up. Then you got the human beings. Uh, and this is where belief system comes into play too. And uh, I, that's what I was telling, uh, it's trying to explain to my family as well. I was like, I, well, I was telling my mom, I saw this conversation with her the other day about uh, us being careful with belief. I said, we will sit here and tell ourselves to believe something that we know with common sense isn't true. I said, but at the end of the day, you have those who reach too far. And, and again, it's not necessarily because um, somebody, I think, I'm not sure if I was having this conversation with you, but I was having this conversation with someone in the sense of religion. And religion has its place. Actually, I think that was you. Yes. Um, religion yes, has its religion place. Religion does have its place. Um, it, it has its place. And then the concept of why it's ha it has its place. Because um, my understanding is, and like I was telling you, I was tearing down that whole concept of what religion and the place of religion and what it's supposed to be and the level of that. Because, you know, for me, from based off of 
just just standing back and looking to anything, anything too much of anything is a bad thing. So, and you people say, well, how is religion a bad thing? Because you can go overbound to the point where you push yourself past reality. You're taking these stories that are supposed to be, that could be read in nine different ways, and you're taking them and you're, you're applying them to your life. Go ahead and try to live like Jesus did back in those days and see what happened to you nowadays. It's just not, the, the, the world that we live in, the society that we live in, um, and again, the spirit of this particular system that we live in, it's not gonna allow you to do that. You gotta go out, you gotta work. If you don't work, you don't eat. You, you gotta pay bills, you're gonna pay taxes to somebody. So again, even when you say that, that's not, you're not being realistic. You're, it's not possible for you to live that way. And they say, well, that's the thing, it's just a framework. Yeah, but do you have those individuals who push that framework on other individuals who don't understand or have an elementary mindset of what religion is well that's right and that's where the abuse comes in that's where you know what term church hurt comes in is because somebody Mm. else is trying to Mm. impose their interpretation of of what it means to live for god or live like god trying to impose that on others there is a there is a very very fine line between um you know living for god and then forcing somebody else to live for god and the Bible even teaches us that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he does give, and I believe just from the beliefs that I espouse, the Bible does gives us does give us that blueprint by which we are to live by and the plan that God has for us. Others don't believe that, and that's okay. What I my my views and what I espouse is what 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 Christ as my model has invited me to do is to invite others to that as well but if they don't desire that then that's their choice because one of the other things that i espouse is god has given each and every one of us choice and so if if you don't and those two things are not in opposition to each other it is exactly that it is a choice it is it is an it is an invitation coming full again full circle to what we were talking about earlier an invitation into the mind of the creator to say i, I want to live like him that again these are my views this is my belief i want to live like like whom i believe uh is god in the flesh i want to live as close to that and yes and you hit it on the head Aaron. you hit it on the head it is not hmm to think that we can do it to perfection denies or ignores the fact that we are imperfect it ignores the fact that we are in fact imperfect and so but what it is is it is a it is an it's an invitation to at least try and what do you gain and what i've learned what you gain along the way is better relationships if you if you're if you're truly living it and i'm not i'm not saying here that i'm the you know i'm the best thing since sliced bread i've got my hangups too i've got i've got things that that worry me i've got things that trouble me i've got things that that uh, i have to work through from time to time but what i've gained along the way is is a from my perspective a better outlook on life i've gained a more healthy outlook on life not every day is perfect not every day is great i have bad days but this walk that i've decided to walk in and i've decided to follow after you know to be christ-like you know um is it has taught me some things and the bible has given me some 
food for thought, you know, uh, you know, chicken soup for the soul, you know, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to term it that, you know, and so I think what we were talking about in that conversation was how that religion is really a lot of people, you know, they say they don't want anything to do with religion, but religion is really a, uh, a set of practices that you espouse. And so if you, if you are one who believes in, and I'm just going to use this as an analogy, if you're one who believes in working out every day at 6 a.m., well, that's what you value. Yeah, that, 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 that could be say, it could be said that you are part of the religion of physical health because you, these practices that you do each and every day. And so, and then the spirituality aspect of that is the unique experiences that you have along the way, you know? So for somebody who's a, a bodybuilder, if they are a part of the religion of physical health, they go and they work out every single day at 6 a.m. Well, one of the experiences that they could have is that maybe they could actually compete. And then that 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 joy and that jubilee that comes along with that with that that experience is 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 unique to the individual and it's not forgotten. Right. And so they look for that each and every time they participate in the practices in this case, in the practice of working out every day, they look for that experience every time they engage that practice. No, man. Well, yeah, I can't disagree with you. Uh, I said some people will call. I'm to the point where I'm kind of letting people name it whatever they want to name it. But for me, it's called Shalom. Uh, our Heavenly Father is a loving God, and he's giving us the roadmap to shalom in this case of kind of having peace within oneself constantly all the time he wants that for us all because he said that we we deserve it um we we live in a hellish world we live in a system that has been taken over by the 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 the, the negative energy um i mean some people call him the devil some people call it satan but it's just demons in general man um the people just take on and we're fighting this spiritual warfare uh amongst ourselves but also within our minds and if we allow these things to de you know demonize us tear us down demoralize us and pull us down to where the same level that they're feeling all the time because of the things that happen within our life form uh time or i say form because we get sick as well you know what i'm saying um well, that's and tear that's, down this avatar that we live in. Yeah, that's exactly what shalom means. By the way, yeah. shalom, shalom, yeah. uh, it's it's such a deep phrase. It's more than just a greeting. It's more than just a yeah. a, a, a salutation. Yeah. It's it's actually yeah. both. It's a greeting and a salutation. But um, mm -hmm. what shalom actually means is when you break down the characters of the Hebrew language, it means to destroy the authority connected with chaos and confusion to destroy the authority connected with chaos and confusion. And so when you, when you wish somebody Shalom, you're, you're wishing them the ability or you're, you're saying to them, uh, you know, I, I grant you the ability to destroy whatever authority chaos is causing or whatever connection to chaos you have right now. So if that is, you know, you're struggling with depression, Shalom. If you're struggling with anger, Shalom. If you're struggling with, with doubt, Shalom. If you're struggling with, financial problems shalom all because because those 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 uh experiences that i just named those you know depression anger uh those things i just named they all connect you to the potential for chaos to occur in your life and so but if you can get this mindset of 
I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have shalom. Then any chance I get, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to destroy that authority connected with chaos and confusion. 100%. And like you said, uh, you got uh, Bay New Sophie, Uwahe. He's the one who is given the blueprint, just like that some people would say in this case here, Jesus is given the blueprint. But it's a modern day uh, use of the scriptures that allow you to get through certain things. And I say that God comes back in different ways because, again, um, you know, we grew up in, uh, we call it Yahweh. Or in this case here, being a Hebrew Israelite, understanding where you come from and who you are. Dr. Kanjufu talks about that too. So when you have a basis or conform or a foundation of who you are as a person, it, it allows you to expound and build upon that without limits. And a lot of us nowadays that we don't understand who we are as an individual, as a person. So, and then this is, that's something I was saying about my own, I was saying about my family. I introduced this to them the other day after I did some meditation is that, hey, you need to figure out, you need to do your shadow work. Start your shadow work now. What do you mean, dad? You know, I got my seven-year-old and I got an 11-year-old and my wife. So everybody needs to start working on their shadow work. I said, yes, it's painful. Um, we are here to help each other. What we're going to do is this is going to be a space or this is going to be a day. This is going to be a time for all of us to, uh, to, to, to say how we feel. I said, you feeling at your, at your age does not, you know, is, is not um, less value than my 38-year-old mind and how I feel. Uh, how you feeling, the stress on your shoulders is probably just as heavy because of your age and your uh, mentality and what you're dealing with in life. And right now at your age, it's heavy to you, but it's light to me. So I'm going to help you carry your burden to show you how to carry your burden to where it can be light. In that body mind, you know, that body of that body of builder sense. I'm gonna show you how to carry that to where it's light. It's light work for you. It'll be light. And then the same thing is iron sharpened iron. So in order for my son to become a man, he has to have that role model. He has to have that iron to be sharpened against to where now he's strong enough to take on the reins when I'm no longer around. And the same concept with the women. The women do the same thing for each other, but then they also get to see a healthy level of what a masculine man looks like and how he uses his masculinity for positivity, not that is not the way the world is using that toxic thing. Because again, a man, if he's uh, if you use that and every man got rid of his masculinity, you're looking at what? Homosexuality and things of that nature. Everybody's being overly feminine. And that's the problem with society right now. There's no balance, as you said. There's a mesh to where no one can identify and separate themselves to be unique. That's where that copy-paste stuff comes in. And so we tie it all the way back to the beginning of our conversation to where even it comes down to just the artwork itself. If I reproduce uh, Van Gogh's work constantly, doesn't that mean that that's Van Gogh? Just I'm just slapping my name on it? I'm a copycat. So at the end of the day, Everybody is here to find that shalom. And I say that shalom because, like you said, it goes so deep. Shalom goes deep, man. And I'm talking about, deep. are you talking about destruction? When they talk about destruction, when God talks about destruction, he's talking about by fire. Fire means that there is no coming back. You cannot bring it back no matter what utter, you do. Utter, so utter in order for you to get that, it's utter. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. It's eternal. Uh, you talking about lighting a fire within yourself? 
to get rid of all those bad vibes, get rid of those demons, whatever we want to call them or attach them to our problems, even, you know, just self-doubt, things like that. That is a demon amongst itself. You got to sort through, you, you having to go through life and you're having to work out your problems along with any partner you decide to partner with, along with uh, your your produce, in this case here, your seed, the fruit that you bear, y'all seeds, now you have to, to teach them how to carry their load and deal with their demons or their uh, lack thereof, you know, understanding and things of that nature and allowing them to gain knowledge and so forth and so forth. So there is never going to be a, um, a balance to where you're always on kilter. And like my mom told me about this book called Juggling Elephants. You're gonna drop. You're gonna be. You're gonna be juggling all these rings, man. But you're gonna drop a ring every now and then. Right. You, it's just gonna happen. Just happens, like you said, yeah, yeah. it's it just happens. But how you? How and you sometimes you're gonna neglect. Yeah, yeah. But 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 no, you're exactly right. And how you move on in those moments it's, is what is what defines you, or is what yeah is what um. It's, it's an area you. for improvement. Yes, yes. There you go. I would it's, say we're well, area yeah. improvement. I'm not going to say that. Oh well, yeah. that's this that that defines you. Yeah. No, that don't define yeah. you. What defines you is when you say that. Oh, I quit. Yeah, that defines you, and even that itself doesn't define you because you can put it off for a moment because it's not you're not ready for that in this case right here right now, or you don't have the mindset to get you over that hill just yet. But then you come back and revisit it. And that's the greatest thing about that's what I was saying about me finding Shalom in this case here. That's the greatest thing I can say about the human experience. And that's why I say I, I thank uh, God in this case here, whatever anyone may call him in this case here. I call him Yahweh. But whatever we put our minds to, let's say we fail, we always get a redo. Mm. How blessed and loving is that for us to get a redo? Yeah. To do something over that we didn't get to do before, correct? Yeah, I I, I actually and, told Levi after that experience with the with the cursing and stuff. The very next day, I went to his room, and I said, uh, "You know, God's mercies are new each day. So what you did yesterday, you know, the mistakes you made yesterday, you don't have to go to school with that same weight on your shoulder." I say now the dis the the consequences are still there because I gave him I, to bring the whole circle. The whole story. I had mm -hmm. to, I gave him two pages that he has to write the sentence down. I will not say bad words. I said, now the consequence is still there, but you don't have to have, you don't need to feel the guilt of, of the mistake you made yesterday because God's mercies are new each day. And so if, and what I was trying to explain to him is the same, it's, it's the same with daddy. If, if daddy is trying to model the creator, then my mercy to you today is new. I'm not I'm not blaming you for what you did yesterday. I'm not even mad at you. Again, you still have to deal with the consequence. There's that fallout, right? I mean, you imagine you're talking about juggling elephants. You imagine what will happen if you dropped an elephant on your toe. There's going to be some consequences, okay? <laughs> I mean, but so you deal with it. You might be crippled for life. Man, I'm trying to tell you. But you deal with it, right? You deal with it, and then you just walk towards that that healing. And so one question I wanted to ask you, and 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 uh, this will be maybe the last question we'll dive into before I get into like rapid fire and rapid fire. I mean, just that it's quick, just whatever comes to your mind. But um, this question here. So so where does art and mental health? Where do you think art and mental health intersect? And then how did you use art 
to process your father's passing and maybe some of those unresolved um, uh, issues that you got that you spoke about earlier? I 100% believe art gives a voice to the to the voiceless. And what I mean by that is, is that when you're a child, um, let's just say I'm going to speak on my my situation and and. I don't want to put it in a light of it's like, oh, it's bleak because everybody says that, you know, when you start talking about your childhood and then you say, well, you know, my mom had five children and we were, you know, unable to do certain things, this and the third. But at the end of the day, when we look at back on our childhood, our childhood was not that, that bad. It was, we were actually pretty wealthy for a family of five. And I would say that even, I would say that even looking at, you know, your situation with you and your mom and, you know, your siblings and stuff. We, we were surrounded by love. It was it was structured, very structured love, but it was love nonetheless, and they were always wanted the best for us. Um, matter of fact, it, it's one thing I do appreciate um, about your mom. That's the reason why I always wanted to be around you guys, is that uh, she had this, um, your mom has this, this this power about her the way she puts herself into something or she put she comes around you. It's like you can tell she knows who she is mm. and she doesn't let no one uh, change her on who she is. Uh, and I'm not sure how that translates over into society nowadays, uh, but I love that woman for that. And I, like I said, I always had a knack for telling who's a good person. And my auntie, I love her to death. Mm. She is a good person. Yeah. 100 yeah. percent in the heart and my mom is the same way yeah um although we run into other family members that may not be that way and not saying that they don't have that potential to be as loving as our parents were i think a lot of it was placed there due to them knowing who they are mm. so art in this case here for me did that it allowed me to speak to my mom without me uh, even in my rebellious stage and certain things like that to express how i felt at times without me having to say anything. And when you look at the work and you see how it transformed to different things like that, even down to me being in industrial design and being able to design things and see the future and look into a future and say that there is gonna be a future, um, it, it made it to where it allowed me to be who I am today in this case here. And not for the worst part, but for the best. Um, first, I gotta get my physical vessel here first, you know, through health and things like that. Uh, and then my mental um, end up catching up with me because I ain't gonna lie, but I want to say about two or three years ago, almost, almost kicked the bucket, man. I was in the hospital. I for remember a that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was almost died from pneumonia, to be honest with you. That's what, that's what it was. It was the flu, but it turned into pneumonia. So almost died from that. And um, I was in there. I'm not gonna lie. I was saying my prayers. I was like, I already know that, you know, this, this is looking like it, this is it. I was, my organs are starting to fail on me. Uh, just different things like that. And she said, well, that's what, that's your turning point. That's your rebirth. No, that actually wasn't my rebirth. I still was kind of hard headed after that <laughs> in the sense of dealing with certain things. Yeah. But um, my dad's death and what made me realize I had to deal with some of the stuff that, that I was um, carrying around and letting the baggage go and understanding it. Uh, carrying that baggage, it causes disease, it causes a cancer mm. because it's it's something within the mindset and it goes into the body and it creates a tumor. And that tumor, it, it, it calcifies and then it goes from that and it goes, you know, and it pushes everything forward. So 
in order for me not to go the way our grandmother went with her cancer and things like that, and she had a, I'm pretty sure she had a very, very rough life, um, depending on how you look at it and in the time frame that she grew up in, you can't judge her for who she was. Mm. She was in the time frame that they were in at that time, including uh, your mom's um, father, my mom's father. We can't judge these people for who they were because, again, in that time frame, in that perspective of life, that's what they were doing. Come on now, you're coming back off of almost slavery yeah. to some degree. Yeah. This is less than a generation. They did the best with what and they had, with, with, with what models they had at the time. But Correct. So when we start throwing judgments out there like that, and we're saying that we are, we saying that we, we like Job, we, we better than like Job was saying, and he had to be humbled. Hey, where were you when I laid the foundations? So again, we, we were nowhere around when these foundations were being laid down, but we, they were forced into these systems and these first and these um, perspectives. And I'll leave you off, leave you off with this last book. I'm currently reading is um, I think it's titled uh, up up to slavery or up after slavery one of the two by uh george uh washington uh i'm in the middle of it's like a it's a long book but uh i thought it was web du bois at first but no it's, it's not uh let me find his name real quick because i'm i'm in the middle of reading several different books i i, I figure what i'll do is i'll come very literate to where I, uh, it's called uh, Up From Slavery. I'm sorry. Booker T. Washington. Okay. Uh, this this brother here, he's giving his perspective on um, life um, when right out of slavery. You know, he, he grew, he was, he was growing up. He was, uh, he was born in slavery. Uh, before he became an adolescent, they released an uh, Emancipation Proclamation from Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, released them um, according and then he, he, he recollects from all the things that happened from that point and what he did in his in his teens all the way into his 20s and things like that and wow. how he came up with the with the Tuskegee uh, University and and I didn't even know that he and his brother was part of that uh, but he 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 was a very um, as most society most people are saying society nowadays he was a very poor man mm-hmm. and he was able to come up with a university yeah like that so well, it's like you know you know with, booker, booker t washington and wb du bois they had very different ideas about what blacks should be doing post-slavery uh, you still there can you hear me yeah i can hear you i can hear you okay yeah we, can you hear me now yeah i can hear you we we had another technical difficulty but <laughs> i guess it's the system saying y'all need to shut up and go home but but no what what i was saying was um we we uh booker t washington and w.e.b du bois had a very different very different ideas about what black should be doing post-slavery um Mm -hmm. and we won't i won't go into it but i do want to just say if 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 you hadn't had a chance to aaron or if anybody listening to this episode had had a chance to um check out my february series that i did on this podcast called black brilliance um go check that out and listen to it where i actually sit and read the words and writings of some of these early uh, black pioneers like W.E.B. Du Bois um, um, uh, and their, their names, names escaping me right now, but um, Anna Julia Cooper, I read some of mm-hmm. her writings, but go back and listen, listen to um, 
listen to some of those and 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 you can kind of see this the same sort of warning signs then and we're talking post-slavery and the mm-hmm. same things uh, for the same and they can be applicable today and that's why i wanted to read it is because a lot of i was reading and studying the reconstruction era and a lot of the things that these early people were saying black and white uh about life then i still see some of that occurring today um in 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 uh in american society as well so anyway if you get a chance to go listen to that um check and it I, out and anyway, i would like to add i want to add yeah, on to what you yeah, said um yeah chancellor uh chancellor william mm-hmm. uh when he came out with that book um destruction of the black civilization mm-hmm. uh that's a good read too because it's a lot about the historians and how they what they did with um how they handled history in general and it's 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 not about tearing down one culture versus another. That's the reason why I like to read. Yeah. Um, there's a brief or summary, a synopsis of it because it's very lengthy uh, in detail. But I would say that's another good one to read too. So you can just get a different perspective because you're talking about from like the 1960s. Um, I'm talking about I'm talking about 19 uh, uh, the 1800s. I'm, yeah. I'm going through mm-hmm. all these different time frames. And like I said, that's why I was talking about perspective earlier. When we look at the perspective of things, nothing has changed. It's just we're in a different time frame, a different body. Uh, maybe we are in uh, our conscious, our conscious ourselves are going through this and trying to understand what's going on. And we're so far behind the, the know-how or the far behind what's going on that we're trying to catch up. But we only live so, so long, so we can only read so much we can only do so much research before you got so many people who done been doing this research for two and three decades and they right. still didn't scratch the surface on some of the stuff. And it's, and a lot of it's been destroyed on purpose. A lot of it's been manipulated on purpose to drive a certain narrative. And then, like I was saying about knowing who you are, I think it, it, it boils down to it, that you being able to express yourself in society um uh, very efficiently and i say the word efficient because efficient rolls down to um efficient rolls down to you know the less the less energy you're not wasting a lot of energy on what you're doing you're actually it's and then a lot of thought go into being uh efficient as well so you you position yourself to do certain things and it kind of goes back to religion like you were saying too um, when you when you put yourself into this routine, you don't you don't waste time. You know what your routine is. You know right. exactly what to head to. Mm-hmm. So religion does have its place, just depending yeah. on what you decide to be your religion is right. what's going you know what's going to work out. And it goes back to being a model and uh, what you model yourself after. Mm-hmm. But you ask Some, me a something about something it. approximating being something approximating being a wise steward of the mm-hmm. resources and materials that, that you you've have. been blessed and been yeah. given with yeah given yep and yeah. genesis definitely put that into our hands to where the man's job that that uh that god put into uh to his hand was the first thing he's supposed to be a steward of the of the world of the world the man is a title yeah, the ground Not, yeah yeah you're supposed to be you're supposed to make sure you're supposed to steward you're supposed to be a groundskeeper the whole nine and then the woman's aspect of that comes into the place of her being a helper and understanding what a helper is is to make that man complete 
you know, wherever he needs to help it, that's what you're going to help him in this case here. Maybe that might be emotions. Maybe that might be he doesn't read enough. And so you might be more literate than he is. So you, you know, you push him into uh, uncomfortable areas uh, respectfully uh, because every, every level and every form of life deserves this respect all the way down to the amoeba. So mm-hmm. if the amoeba wasn't here, what other animal would exist? If right. the bee wasn't here, a lot of us wouldn't be here right now. So everybody want to say, oh, the bees are knowing. You need to kill all the bees. Well, if the bees wasn't here, the flowers wouldn't get pollinated. Right, man. Our ecosystem then, would, then be, would up. be upside down. There's this, there's this again, this grand wisdom filtering down that sort of inspired you know, our entire existence and, and what it boils down to, again, it's just this this balancing man and and that's what that's what god is all about is about this balance so even with religion even with whatever whatever uh, religion your spouse you've got to be balanced in that in that um in that thing so that you don't you know overexert yourself on one end and then you end up losing out relationships with people who are not a part of that religion right or not a part of that belief system that's what i was meaning in this case here because i want to have some clarity to that i'm not saying that religion is bad yeah. I'm saying that being balanced is what's most important. Yeah. So understand that everybody who is unbalanced is where they're going to have those difficulties and then they'll blame it on God. And God has nothing to do with you being unbalanced. You're at fault because you're unbalanced because you either take things too literal or you don't take things serious enough. It's one right. of the two. <laughs> right. And you got to find that that even kill switch to where it's just like, uh, you know what? I know I need to press, I need to release the gas. I need to take my pedal off this gas because I'm going a little bit too in deep into this to where it's almost like cult to this, to where right, you're just definitely. in a cult. Like right. you got yourself into this to where that's well, where we, you are. we've been there and maybe, maybe one day I can invite you back on here. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where you, where you are with, uh, with, um, with that whole thing, but maybe one day, you know, you and I can sit down and, and talk about that experience. Um, that'll be a very interesting, mindful episode. Um, but so I mean, I'm sorry, but did you finish your thought on talking about how you used art to process your dad's passing? Did you wrap that thought up? I I actually didn't even dive, dive into that one there. But okay, okay. I see. So in this case here, for me, art didn't the art did not uh, help me. Because like mm-hmm. how you were saying earlier, um, my art past being tied into set individuals yeah. and, and not, and I, I want to say this as well, not to say that, you know, love is something bad. Uh, it's just, again, learning to accept uh, certain, certain situations and tying so much um, of yourself into that particular situation wasn't necessarily healthy for me, but that would have, I think that would have came along had you know my father been around so that's what a lot of mm. this stuff comes in at when i was tying certain things to my dad um is that if he had done these things then i would have known to do this right, or, you right, know, right. gave me the road uh, like me and my brother daniel talk about a lot is giving the blueprint or the navigating um uh, uh you know being the 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 i guess the, the i guess you would say like the north star the point of where we need to be headed all yeah. the time being, being a better model yeah 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 so, <laughs> so we know model. hey look this is how you travel right here this is how you travel on on how to be a black man or middle-aged black man in america or young black man in america or a teenager 
in America, you know, whatever the case may be. And again, I can't speak for every other person, but I can only speak for being my culture only. And again, mm -hmm. it is a culture, not, uh, we are not uh, facilitating ourselves towards the idea of being a clan or a village or a group of people because we all try to live our lives separate from each other which in this case here, based off of some of the work that I've, I've listened to, the psycho psychological work of mm -hmm. makeup of the young black men and women of this, na of this nation, we need to steer from each other because a lot of it is we, not, we don't know how to deal with each other because we're coming into it from a competing standpoint, but we're competing against the wrong person. So when it comes down to that, it goes tied back into my father. That's why I was saying about my father. Him being that person that's on that pedestal that idol I could never talk to, that idol I could never get that, hey, you did a great job from type deal. And people say, well, th that's all you needed from him? It, it, it goes deeper than that. The psychological yeah, yeah, yeah. aspects mm -hmm. of hearing yeah. a well done from your father, it, it cuts up. And if you go talk to any male nowadays, any, any black man, if he hear his dad tells him great job or you give him a, a, a hug or you give him a handshake, Man, yeah. man, that that is man that that shoots us to the stars, man. That shoots us to the galaxy, and it it, it drives so deep emotional because it's like, oh, I got it from my dad, man. Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. the the person, well, well, you heard this all the time from your mom. I can't resonate with my mother because I'm not a woman. Mm. Yeah, or you resonate at least you, you resonate on a different perspective in a different and, frequency. Yeah, and yeah, yeah I'm sorry, yeah. I keep saying yeah. certain things like they're definite, but yeah, it, it's different. Yeah. Again, going back to go, going back to that balance, you know, that's why we see these two roles play out in the family dynamics and and, and you know, science. If somebody's a scientist and, and they they that's their religion, then <clears throat> then even scientists told us time and time again that this these relationship dynamics of male and female is to the to the those being represented in the family dynamics is to the betterment and to the benefit of the children who are living within that house mm -hmm. you know and so yep. you know what you're saying is absolutely right because you know me i too didn't have a father growing up and yep. you know and, and that's a whole other story for a conversation holding the conversation for another time but it's right in what you're saying in that you needed to hear that i needed to hear that there's not a child in this world that does not need to hear that from from both their parents from both mom she says that she communicates it differently and yep. from dad he communicates yep. it uh differently so yep. yeah I'm, and i'm and i'm in i'm in awe on a lot of things when it comes down to certain things especially when it comes down to um understanding that we speak in different languages so like my son he would more so, although he may tell me the truth, um, his mom, we would say that his mom may love him more than I do, or I guess the way I show my love is different. So yeah. she would say her love is more so in a, hey, I love you type deal. And for me, I physically show that I love him by doing things. So when he see that, hey, my dad's doing this for me, it's like, oh, okay, my dad's doing that. So he's showing that he loves me. Um, and now I do that through different ways because I try to tell them, say, understand that there's different forms of love. Not all love is the same, but nonetheless, because you're part of me and I'm part of you, I love you none. I love you the same because I have to love myself 
in order for me to love you. And you need to understand this because if you don't understand this, you're going to grow up thinking I didn't love you. Mm, so yeah, I need yeah. you to understand that I love you and I don't want to use and that word. Yeah, right. but this is how I love you. Because yeah. people use that word, that love is, that, that word love is being just abused. And people don't use it correctly. And when you don't use it correct, when you don't use something correctly, it, it, it becomes a disdain to anyone else after that who's been using. So mm. again, to purify that word love is to understand that definition. And it really goes back into what I said before about Shalom. Uh, love is part of Shalom. Shalom is part of love. You find that peace, you're going to love it. Matthew 6.33 tells you to find, seek first the kingdom. And he's talking mm. about the kingdom of peace. Because in heaven, there's peace. That's what everybody says, right? In heaven, there's love. So why wouldn't Shalom entail all of that? And heaven is the, the total opposite of hell. So when you understand that and understand that Shalom is what it is, that's why I speak on Shalom all the time. I say it to a lot of people, and they they think it's just a greeting, but I mean it. I say I'm hoping you get the power. You know, I can't. I don't have enough time to constantly explain it to people. You right. I hope they get the power and understanding to tear down whatever walls or whatever issues or whatever demons, or whatever they brought into their lives. I'm hoping they can be able to get that out of their lives while they have enough time to do that on this short mortal coil that we live on that we call life you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so yeah. we know uh but no my father uh how i dealt with his death is just uh his death was to let me know that again reminder that life is too short yeah. um and it hit home a lot faster uh for me too because when we was little kids we realized that our parents was at a certain age um and they, we thinking that they're not going to, you know, we don't think about death. No one thinks about death like that. But when you start seeing your parents pass away, even if that parent wasn't there, it hits you a lot differently. So then you start preparing yourself for the one that is around because you mm. know that they're going to expire as well eventually. Yeah. So you, you start issuing out things that you normally wouldn't have issued out. Or you start trying to get, gather a, a lot closer to that individual so that person knows and understands that you love them. Um, what I, what I, can I say, and I, and then I, I know I'm around this thought out in this case here. Yeah. Can I say 100% that my dad know that I loved him? I don't know. I've never mm. heard him say it. I can only make an assumption, but I'm not sure about any child who doesn't love their father or their mother, whether they, they were there or not. But if their father and mother did, wasn't there, uh, from the beginning, you wouldn't be here. So you got to love them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's a good place to to stop. I'm definitely, if you're open to it, going to have you back on because I love the conversations we have. Um, and what 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 I typically do here in winding down. So this is this is what I call the rapid fire section of this podcast. And um, anytime there's a first first time guest, um, I probably I, if you come back, I probably wouldn't do it with you then. But because you're a first time guest, I do want to ask you these three questions and again this is rapid fire so just say the first thing that comes to your mind um and uh and then we'll 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 close it out but the first question is what is mindfulness to you mindfulness to me is uh being careful in consideration um not necessarily of just yourself but also of individuals around being aware of your um your impression 
that can be uh, given to individuals, which will shape your environment, um, allowing you to pass through the life, or as most people say, time, um, more, efficient, more efficiently. Uh, and again, it goes back to being a machine, just being uh, trying to find out the best way to do this process that we call life and seeing what we learn and absorb from it. And hopefully it's not for the, for the, for the worse, it's for the betterment. Hmm. And then the second question is, how do you practice mindfulness? Um, the best for me in this case here, and everyone should take this into consideration, I would say for my personal uh, self work is that meditation. Uh, meditation allows you to recenter yourself no matter how far to the left or to the right you've gone. Um, and a lot of times you need to go to the left and to the, to the right and you need to go out far pretty uh so pretty far sometimes especially when you do this thing called shadow work and you know psychologists will understand what shadow work is and that's you working with a lot of your the baggage that you brought along with you up until a certain point and being able to, to resolve those issues and let those things go because a lot of it is just regret and a lot of it is um uh self-doubt a lot of it is um just just it's a bunch of negativity honestly when you when you think of it when you do the shadow work and that's why it's so dark because you're going into an area of the mind to where you have closed off um thinking that you've dealt with it but it still affects your current situation and your decisions whether they be positive or negative and a lot of times when you equate your bad experiences that you're currently going through you don't necessarily say it's because of something that happened when you were seven. You would say, oh, well, that's because that individual that I'm dealing with isn't working out. Or you never say that, oh, well, my limitations. You will say, hey, this happened because of this, that, and the third, and this is why that didn't work out. Instead of saying, hey, seven-year-old Aaron didn't get to express to his father, or seven or three-year-old or five-year-old Aaron didn't get to express to his father how much he loved him, so he never got the love and nurturing from a masculine uh, uh, perspective, allowing him to be able to work through things with his siblings, his brothers, i.e., while they were always in co uh, competing, uh, which also goes into the relationship with the mother because now everything is his mom's fault that his dad isn't around, and now that's going to uh, correlate back to what his sisters are now doing, and now he can't get in a relationship, a healthy relationship with his sisters either. So now that's just turmoil through the whole concept and it just tears all that down. But had you realized that your reason why you didn't do what you were supposed to do and you did the shadow work, you will go back and say, hey, this is why this is happening. And find that resolution to be that little happy little boy. Uh, mm -hmm. Find that resolution to where you say, hey, this is what I'm doing currently right now. And then ask yourself, is that healthy? Mm. Or is it causing division within your family? Yeah. And then the, la the last question is, um, where do you rest? And so this was an acronym I came up with years ago. And R-E-S-T just means reflective energy that stimulates thoughtfulness. And so where do you rest? And that goes back to our whole conversation, man. Um, realizing that everything is just perspective. A healthy perspective on everything um realizing that i didn't come from a poor family uh you know by choice 
I didn't come, I didn't, I didn't get birthed into being a black man by choice. These are all things that just, that just happened. And then having that perspective and say, okay, well, this is what I have. What am I going to do with it? And then taking it from there and then say, well, am I in slavery? No, um, not in slavery that my ancestors were in. Am I in um, this, this, this time frame where we are limited through Jim Crow laws or education or um, a, a little to none? Uh, no, I'm not in any of those things. Um, the, the internet is available. Or the World Wide Web is available. We can go and look up whatever we want. I am the person who set my limitations and realize that I need to be able to figure out, number one, who I am, and then build upon that foundation, uh, allowing me to project myself into my present, but also into my future, and then also affect the next generation, which is not necessarily just my children, but possibly my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And then also, I want to say this, securing and ridding ourselves of generation curses. I know a lot of people don't believe in that stuff, but this is something that is factual. This has been proven. You carry your energy signal into the future through your DNA. Your DNA does these things. It's because it, it's literally like uh, a drop of uh, was a, a human cell can carry over. It's, it's, it's crazy on how much data is carried in a human DNA. Uh, is more than a tetrabyte, more than a petrabyte, how much information gets carried over into the next generation. So if before you have children, you don't heal yourself, your children will carry on with your traumas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, man, well, we're going we gonna to put a button in it right there because that's a whole nother rabbit hole. And oh, so yeah. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say thank you, uh, Aaron. Um, my cousin, my real cousin, um, <laughs> you know, and, and thank you listeners again, a thousand thanks for listening to the mindful farm D podcast. And if you guys have any ideas for topic or just want to shoot me an email, let me know. Um, you know, if we're doing a bad, if I'm doing a bad job here or, <laughs> or if I'm doing a great job, you know, whatever you want to say to me, I'll take the feedback. Uh, but to do that, you can either rate the podcast wherever you listen, or you can email me at the mindful farm D at gmail.com. That's the mindful farm D at gmail.com. Um, of course you can, um, see my bio link on the web and where to have all my links and stuff, uh, for social media, um, that I do have through this, this, uh, podcast. So, or for this podcast. So, but Aaron, man, again, thank you so much. And, uh, I look forward to actually having you back here at some point in the future. Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll come back. I wish everybody shalom again, uh, understanding that uh, we all looking for peace. And I think that's what most of us just won't say what our peace is, but I think that's what we're looking for. But if you're going to put a, a word out there, I would say shalom. I leave you with this. Focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable or admirable on some virtue or on something praiseworthy think about these things